Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today, I am going to spill the beans on how terrible of a job I did when looking for CRNA programs. Thank goodness I landed at an excellent program. Shout out Georgetown. I got such an incredible education. I had top tier faculty, great clinical experience. I got lucky. Essentially, I, yeah, don't do what I did. I mean, go to Georgetown, love that program. I love Carrie Bowman. She's an excellent program director. But definitely let's let's talk about some things that you should look at when you are looking for programs. Quick, shameless plug. If you don't have our CRNA school database and you are looking for programs, it's $27. What are you doing? You can buy that after you listen to this. But these are some additional things that you need to be considering as you are finding your best fit programs, okay? All right, so five things today. Number one, the first thing I overlooked when I was picking a program is I did not stalk the faculty. I think it would be incredibly smart of you to look at the faculty who are teaching at your program and judge them a little bit, right? Look at their accolades. Look at were they leaders in their state organizations? Did they serve on any national committees, on any boards? What papers did they publish? What did they what what are they doing? Not not every program is gonna have like past president of the AANA. That's that's not what I'm saying. It's great that you, if you have some excellent faculty, I our per, our CRNA professors do not get paid enough. They do this because they do, they teach because they want to give back and they enjoy it. And if they wanted to make money, they would probably be in the OR. Um, so our professors and faculty members are huge in our profession. What I am what I'm saying is that if you are interested in becoming a pediatric CRNA, wouldn't it be great if you went to a program that had a practicing pediatric CRNA or maybe somebody who specialized in pediatrics or maybe you take a look at your faculty and you say, hey, this person, this CRNA is a practicing CRNA at the at a hospital that is in my area. Maybe I could shadow them because I live 20 minutes from this hospital. Take a look at your faculty. Take a look at your program directors. See what they're up to. See what commonalities you can find. When you are applying to a program and you get an interview and they say, why do you want to go to this program? If you are able to tell them that it's because of one of their faculty or because of the program director or assistant program director and be sincere about it and mean it, that goes far. So for example, at Georgetown, Dr. Eshkavari, she is now, she she was a program director. She was a professor when I was there. She is now like the editor-in-chief of the ANA Journal. Like that is so cool. That is so impressive. Dr. Carrie Bowman, she was our professor. She was a professor when I was there. Now she's the program director. She was getting her PhD. She has written chapters and textbooks. Like how cool is it that I get to learn from people who contributed to the textbooks that programs all across the country use, right? Like that is incredible. Kaiser, Permanente in California, right? Nagel Hout. Um, like- Come on, that is so cool. You you would be silly to apply to Kaiser and not mention Kaiser in California. Not the not the E Kaiser, not K E I S E R. I'm sure that's a great program too, but Kaiser in California. You'd be silly not to mention Nagelhout's name, right? You should look that up. So stock your faculty. That's number one. 
Okay, number two, the second thing I failed to do was I did not take note of any special sim labs or cadaver labs. Thank God Georgetown had an awesome cadaver lab. Not many programs. They had a sim lab too, but there are a handful of programs in the country that offer cadaver labs. Like you guys, my anatomy, like we learned our anatomy from the professor who taught the medical students. Like we were learning some very in-depth anatomy on cadavers. It was really incredible to see that and have that experience. So that was something that was really unique. A lot of programs do have sim labs. Some have some like really cool state-of-the-art facilities. They have special like intubating equipment or cool mannequins and all sorts of really unique things. So that is definitely something I would look at. Do your programs have any sim labs or cadaver labs? Number three, I did not take no, I'm like the worst. I was probably the worst applicant when it comes to looking at programs. I, I just, to be honest, I just wanted to go program like an Ivy League program school name, which is absolutely the wrong way to go about looking at programs because it doesn't matter. I applied to like Columbia, Georgetown, just other like very, very big name schools. And all I did was like pay more money. It, you, when I applied for a job and the demand for anesthesia providers is so high, nobody's going to be like, oh my goodness, you went to Columbia? Okay, we're totally hiring you. No, 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 no. It, they're going to be like, did you pass, like, do you have a license? Are you, can you, or how long are you going to stay here? Are you breathing? Can you, are you a good person? Can I rely on you? Can you deliver a safe anesthetic? Can you work with people? Great. Okay. So please, 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 please. I'm sure all those programs are great. I, Georgetown is wonderful. But anyway, how did I get on this tangent? Oh, clinical sites. I did not take, take note of the clinical sites. I did learn in an open house like that you'll have like one primary clinical site and then you like rotate out to specialty sites. I liked that. So I did a majority of my clinical training at Washington, MedStar Washington Hospital Center, which was crazy and wonderful. I got, I mean, like I was on my own after like three months. They kind of worked as an as staff, pros and cons to that. But I didn't take note of like additional clinical sites. I wasn't from that area, so it wasn't as important to me. Some of my classmates went to like Johns Hopkins. There was a site, I think, in New Mexico at the time, a lot in Virginia. I really didn't care because I didn't have a family. I was single, so it didn't really matter to me. But you do want to take a look at those clinical sites because it made a difference. Was I going to live in Baltimore and go to Johns Hopkins or was I going to live in Virginia, in Richmond, and be a bit from school? I We didn't really have control over our clinical sites. I think you could put in your preference, but at the end of the day, they were going to match you with what site they thought was going to be best for you and like your personality and blah, 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 all that stuff. So taking note of clinical sites and just knowing that it's possible you can go to any of them. If you have a family, that's important. If you, you need to figure out, are they going to work with you? If you're like, I literally cannot go to these remote clinical sites. Is it possible to opt out of those and to stay in this area? You know, I have a family, I have young kids. Is that an option for me or do I have no control? So taking note of where those clinical sites are and investigating further if you are required to go to them and if you can go to them, all that stuff. So that's number three, taking, I did not take note of clinical sites. Okay, number four, thank goodness I was a pretty good student, but I know this is a problem for people and I see on social media and I hear about 
these stories about the minimum passing grade on exams. Every program is going to have like an academic standard. They will tell you that you are considered failing if you get less than a X percent in a class. For some schools, that could be an 86, that could be an 84, that could be an 82%, that could be an 80%. Most of them are gonna be in the 80s. But you should take into consideration what the minimum passing grade is for like a class or in exams. What is that? Because if somebody, if you go to a program that says their passing grade in a class is like an 85% versus a class who says a passing grade is like an 80%, I, to me, that's the big difference. I mean, I was a solid A minus B plus student, but to have the stress of needing to get an 85% on every exam, whew, that is tough. I would definitely take note on what do they consider passing? What does their handbook say? What do you, what is their academic standard? And what does it mean as far as what happens if you get an 80%? Is, do, what, did, are you out? What, what does that mean? So I would definitely take note of the min minimum passing grade on exams. Definitely important to know. Okay. Oh, also another thing about that is sometimes like they won't let you look at your test questions that you got wrong. They won't let you come to office hours and review your grades and see what you missed. Some programs do not allow you to do that. My program did at the time. So it was great. You could go and take a look and be like, oh, dang it. I knew it. That was wrong. Blah, blah, blah. You can learn. I think that is excellent. I don't know why some program programs don't let you do that. I'm sure they have a good reason. But anyway, that is also something that's kind of like an important detail to know. All right. Number five. I did not really realize that where I went to school would lead to a lot of job offers. Now, in this climate, in this day and age, anesthesia providers are in demand. Thank goodness, right? The pay is higher. The compensation packages are great. More jobs are starting to offer loan forgiveness, tuition reimbursement. It's so, so wonderful, okay? So it's, this is not necessarily the biggest deal. I wouldn't put a huge emphasis on this, but where you go to school, you're going to get job offers, right? So, I, and this is also a really important thing for you to know, just taking a bird's eye view. Anesthesia providers are in demand. Programs exist. Why? To graduate CRNAs. Do you think that it would be beneficial for programs and hospitals invest and foster relationships with, with programs and accept students that were probably going to stay around in the area and work at those hospitals? Probably. So now I'm not saying, I am absolutely not saying that you should lie and just say this, you know, this, where you're going to school, where you're going to stay and live forever. I'm not saying that. But I do want you to know that programs exist to help the job market, right? We have multiple CRNA programs popping up. I think there's like 12 or 13 more coming. Why? Because we need anesthesia providers in those areas. Also, CRNA programs are big money makers for university, but that's a different story. But we we need anesthesia providers, so you're gonna get you're gonna get recruited from the hospitals that you are doing your clinical at, and that is gonna be one of the easiest places for you to get hired. So if you're like, you know what, I live in Florida, 
but we want to move to South Carolina. Like South Carolina is where we want to live. My family's there. That is where I want to settle down, where we want to raise our family. That would be an excellent place for you to consider going to school because it's going to be such an easy transition for you to get a job there after. I guarantee you. I mean, if obviously if you're a good student and they, and they like you. But they're going to be like, yeah, we'd love to hire you, blah, blah, blah. Come work with us. And then you're going to be, you're going to graduate and it's just going to be like, boom, such an easy transition. You're going to do all the same things, but you're just going to get paid. It's going to be awesome. So that was, that's the fifth thing is I did not think to consider that these are where my job offers would come from. I, I had no problem getting a job back where I live now. And I, and I, you won't either, but I just want that to be on your radar that these are where a lot of your job offers are going to come from. And I also want you to keep that in mind when you're looking at programs. You know, some programs really want you to stick around after. So just something to consider. All right. So the things that I did not do that you should definitely do. The first thing I overlooked is I did not stalk my faculty. You should definitely research your faculty, professors, your program directors. Take a look at what they're involved in, what their interests are, what they research. And if that aligns with something that you're interested in, excellent. You might be a great fit. Number two, I did not take note of any special sim lab or cadaver lab. Those are definitely things to look into. Number three, I did not take note of clinical sites. Also a mistake. Worked out for me, but make sure you take note of where those clinical sites are. Number four, I did not know the minimum passing grade on exams. Number five, I did not think to consider that these, you know, where I went to clinical was where my job offers would come from. So anyway, those are the things I do not want you to overlook. Learn from my mistakes always. That is my M-O, my main objective. I'm always here to try to save you from the detours. All right. Anyway, it all worked out. I'm fine. All right. That is all for this episode. I will see you guys next week. 